another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrilow and we have got a great roundtable lined up for you today. Now this podcast, it's about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional, and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into a variety of topics that keeps you inspired and at your best. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. And that's what we're up to today. We have gathered together some incredible change makers to talk about leading through uncertainty and global change, the challenges and the opportunities that are present for us right now in business and leadership as the world is still responding to COVID-19. Now, before I introduce today's guests, I have a simple request. I'd be so grateful if you would share this podcast with your friends or colleagues. I'd love as many leaders to know about it as possible. And would you please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or whatever app that you're listening to us on? It's so helpful. It enables the algorithms to find us, helps people find our community, and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people. So thank you. Okay, so we actually have four guests with us in the roundtable today. First of all, we have Sal Sylvester. Sal is the founder of 512 Solutions Consulting Group, a corporate team and leadership development organization from Boulder, Colorado. He's a leadership thinker, blogger, keynote speaker, and Amazon bestselling author of three different books on leadership and coaching. He also runs a technology company called Coach Metrics and is host of the Future of Leadership podcast. Welcome, Sal. Thanks, Jane. Great to be here today. Okay, and uh, so good to have you. I, I really can't tell you. I'm so excited about this conversation. <laughs> I am now, too. Now, we also have Catherine, Catherine Pope, or KP, as she likes to be known. KP has been a professional certified coach in the UK for over 20 years. She works with senior leaders individually and teams in global organizations across a wide variety of business sectors. She encourages clients to access their own wisdom and authenticity alongside a pragmatic focus to achieve their goals. So welcome, Catherine. Hi, Jane, lovely to be here. Thank you. And I'm thrilled you're with us as well. So we also have Adam Mendler. Now, Adam is the CEO of the Veloz Group, Los Angeles, California, where he co-founded and oversees ventures across a wide variety of industries. He also provides thought leadership as a speaker, is the host of the Leadership Development Podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, and is regularly cited in national media as an advisor, consultant, coach, and board member. So welcome, Adam. Thank you, Jane. Excited to be here. Looking yeah. forward. Yeah, good to have you with us in conversation, Adam. And now we also have finally, and they say last but no, by no means least, Orla Scott. Orla is an executive coach and the director of Inner Compass from Dublin, Ireland, a learning and development company specializing in organizational development and deep transformational change for teams, leaders, and individuals. So welcome, Orla. Thanks, James. Really lovely to be here. Yes. And I'm so excited, guys, with all of these people that we've got in the roundtable today, because they're all leaders, thought leaders in their own right. And they all work with leaders in one way or another. Now, I'm excited for this conversation, as I said. But before we start, I want you to know we are recording this as different parts of the world are considering releasing the restrictions that we have had in place in response to COVID-19. In what I can only describe as a very surreal moment for business around the world right now. So I want to open the conversation today to all of you with something of a personal question linked to our topic. And that is that I want to ask each of you, now you're all leaders in your own right, like I said, but what is most challenging for you right now in the current situation? And I'm asking you this both as a human and as a business leader. So what comes up? I might can start, jump. Jane. 
It's oh. <laughs> awesome. I might start. Um, the the biggest thing challenge for me, um, apart from the from the sort of the business side of things, um, is the 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 sense that I really, really desperately want things to change. I think we're at this sort of transformational point, this passing, um, passing the Rubicon and, and into this new paradigm. At least that's my wish and that's my aspiration. <laughs> and most days I'm, 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 I'm hopeful and I'm confident that, that leaders are finally beginning to understand that when we get through this, we're going to have to show up in a completely different way and in a much more conscious way and in a much more um, empathetic way. And, and then the next day, I, you know, that sort of confidence about this change that I, that I desperately hope happens slips. And I, I, I go into this sort of existentialist crisis around, well, nothing's going to change. And we had, you know, we had the Arab Spring and we had all sorts of different things over the course of the last number of years and things haven't shifted in that exponential way that I was expecting. So it's this sort of flip-flopping back and forth between, you know, a huge amount of hopefulness and confidence um, that things are going to change and leadership is going to be different and it's going to, you know, it's, it's really going to speak to that human consciousness um, and a different way of being and then I slip and I go actually there's going to be this huge push to nothing going on here nothing's nothing to see uh, we're all going to go back to normal we're all going to go back to the same way of operating that we've got, become used to and that sort of saddens me um, and that's that's the that's my main challenge at the moment is that sort of hopefulness on one side and and um, lack of confidence that change is actually going to going to happen on the other. Thank you. <laughs> Anyone else? Sal? My change, my biggest challenge is very personal in that this global crisis has really triggered my greatest fears internally. Mm. And so for me growing up, I watched uh, my parents struggle. There was always more month than there was money, if you will. And, and watched my, my, my father, um, incredible man, uh, work so hard and, uh, and also ne never seemed like things came easy for him. And so I think I grew up with a lot of fear around that, a lot of fear around money, personal well-being, um, making it through. And, and so after having been so successful for so long and then boom, all of a sudden it seems like overnight the entire world changes, like it triggers all of that for me. So it's been a lot of work to, uh, in the words of Jan Jim Rohn, to stand guard at the door of my mind so that I don't start believing the stories that, that keep <laughs> coming up in my head. I love that. Thank you. My gosh. So only two of you spoken so far. And right now I really feel the fact that we've got these polarities coming out that I think a lot of leaders are going through right now. Yeah. So Jane, I was, I was going to jump in and just add that for me, I've been staying incredibly busy. So it's been uh, for whatever challenges that have faced my different businesses for whatever challenges that have faced me personally, I've managed to stay as busy as ever, in many ways, as productive as ever, despite the challenges. With that said, I would say that the biggest challenge for me is separation from loved ones, not being able to see my family. Yesterday was my nephew's birthday. He turned three. And instead of being able to see him, we did a Zoom birthday party, which just isn't the same. And not being able to see my friends, who knows when we'll be able to see friends again. That's the hard part. So there's a lot to unpack and to unravel, but it's hard to really quantify the toll that this is taking in terms of the relationships, both in terms of 
our friends and our family. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really important to acknowledge. Thank you, Adam. And I think I'll, I'll build on two things there for me. I think the first one is that vulnerability around health. I've had two clients who've had COVID-19, one a chair of a, a large organization who was really poorly and is now out of hospital, but is going to take a long time to recover. And another client who had it much milder was in hospital and out quite quickly. So that sort of suddenness of illness in a way that we don't really understand what it is or how it works and the cure yet. I mean, it says, yeah, people have strokes and cancer and lots of stuff, but this has felt quite shocking. Mm. Um, and that suddenness of that that's hit people across all stratas has been quite powerful. And for me, my eldest daughter was studying in Fudan University in Shanghai this year. And so I was very anxious about her health in January. And she got out of Shanghai and was fine. But that health element and that vulnerability that we're not immortal and business leaders are not immortal. And have we planned for the contingency of succession planning if is one side of things which I think has surprised me at how that's hit me mm. on a health basis, especially as you were saying, Adam, um, in isolation. You can't see people. You can't connect. There's that separation within that. Yeah. The counter side of it is I am isolated at home on day 45 with three children, a husband and an extra, and um, actually doesn't feel at home very isolated. And I have never made so much food in the last <laughs> six weeks as ever. So there are lovely things about having family nearby, but actually there's also a challenge to cater and keep some sense of normality when you are on mass, which I haven't been for quite a while. Wow, I love that. And I love the polarity that you're speaking to there, you know, the isolation and that professional side of you, but also like, you know, the, 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 the mother, the nurturer, the, you know, feeding everybody at the same time. And, and I think this is something that, you know, what we're all speaking to here is things that I certainly notice with my leaders who are and my clients. I'm noticing all these different emotional things bubbling to the surface in some of them. And you mentioned the word shock there. Um, and, and that's something I was talking to a CEO yesterday and, noticing and helping him become aware of the fact that he was actually in shock. He was running at a million miles an hour, trying to make like really big decisions about layoffs and all these other big challenges that he was facing as a CEO right now. But at the same time, not realizing that he was negating himself, he disconnected from himself and somatically he was kind of in denial with a part of him and in another part of him, just trying to keep as busy as he could because he felt under so much pressure. And I'd love to extend this now out to like, what are you noticing guys with the leaders and the leadership that you know? I mean, what's going on out there right now for leaders? Jane, I, I would say uh, it's completely across the board from what I've noticed as well. And uh, across industry, across gender, across demographic, um, I'm noticing people going through that curve, the denial, the anger, the depression in many cases, and noticing a lot more talk about mental health and the impact of, of loss and grief in the workplace. And how do managers respond to that without stepping into the realm of being counselors? Um, and I've noticed some people are absolutely thriving in this environment. They work better autonomously. They're getting more time with their family. They are more fulfilled. They now have this external pressure to be a certain way is gone. And so they're finding their own true values or maybe even a sense of who they really are and what's important to them. So it, from my point of view, it's been just an absolute complete mix of what I'm seeing across different clients. Yeah. 
And I think it's important to acknowledge there that, you know, that that spectrum is out there because it's very easy when we're having our own visceral experience of this time to think that everybody's struggling or everybody's okay or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But there is this whole diversity out there. Yeah, and I think I was just going to say, I think, uh, Orla, you may have mentioned this earlier, the idea of um, empathy. I think it's going to be more and more important for leaders to become, to show more of the human side, to be more, to bring that humanity into their leadership, to show empathy because they may have a broad range of employees or constituents or stakeholders that are in very different places. So what's a very good point, Sal, because I think I've noticed that initially a lot of the businesses went straight into the automatic crisis mode, intellectual transactional problem solving. And to a degree, they loved it and they knew what they were doing and they were in their mode and they had their gold teams and their silver teams and their bronze teams and they were off. Um, Not always in sync with each other because everyone's doing this in their own speed and time. So sometimes that has caused issues. But the first few weeks were quite exciting, quite thrilling, really busy, lots of energy and moving really fast. And as it's progressed, I think the fatigue has kicked in. The reality has kicked in. The kind of, oh, Lord, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Now where are we? And we're seeing the shifts to actually we can't just be transactional fast all the time we can't we we are being agile but now what people are asking different questions about how we move things through we get deeper into the body and the wisdom of actually where are we what are we doing we've gone through our playbook and things are shifting um and you're right i'm seeing you know some people absolutely thriving unexpectedly people rising like cream to the top of the milk doing really well and some people really surprisingly struggling so it's really rich it's a rich soup out there with lots of things coming on but it's beginning to settle now in in, across my client base i'd say and slow because it needs to to breathe and connect i'm sorry Um, i was just gonna gonna add that i also think it's important to draw a distinction between leaders in businesses that are getting hit hard by corona and leaders in businesses that might actually be beneficiaries of corona and there's everyone in between the spectrum we're doing this we're facilitating this interview today on zoom anyone and everyone who works for zoom who has invested in zoom I'm not going to say that they're enjoying the coronavirus. No one's enjoying the coronavirus, but they're certainly benefiting from the impact that the way the coronavirus has shifted the way we work is having on all of us. So we can come up with, we could probably spend the rest of this podcast coming up with a list of all the different businesses that have been making lots of money as a result of the changing dynamics of how we work and how we're going to be working. And on the other side of the spectrum, there are tons of businesses that are getting crushed. And as much value as we can provide on this podcast, as much value as we can provide as leadership experts, as business coaches, there's really only so much value you can give to a restaurant that has no choice but to close their doors when there's just no traffic. There's only so much advice we can give to a barber who can't open up shop because the city says that you can't open up shop and you can't do house calls. So I think it's really important to be sensitive to the underlying dynamics here, to understand that we do have a role that we can play I think the role that we can play is to try to focus people, focus leaders on staying as positive as possible, staying as productive as possible, coaching their teams on how to be as effective as possible. But there are these really, really strong underlying dynamics that have 
unbelievable power here. And I just wanted to acknowledge that because I think it's extremely important. Yeah. And thank you for giving voice to that, Adam, because I think it is really important right now. And, you know, I think for the first time, certainly in my lifetime, it's interesting that, you know, what comes up from what you've said there, Adam, for me is this idea that, um, yes, there's, there's this whole range of experiences people are having and, you know, and it's very, very different at the polar ends of that benefiting and, you know, like their businesses have gone off a cliff. And what's also interesting for me in the dynamics is this idea that the whole world right now, this idea of global change, this whole world, uh, this word global, almost has a different meaning now because it's like the whole world is on the same page, like uniting against a common enemy. And we, as far as I know, we've never ever done that before. So I'm interested in the global perspective as well as that polarity of the different experiences that everybody's having. Do you think that the global element in this is having any impact on leadership? And I'm going to talk about that now rather than just personal leaders in any way. Is it shifting or changing things in any way from your perspective? If I could come in there, Jane, one of the, I absolutely um, get what all the other um, colleagues were talking about. And I think one of the things, one of the, the aspects that the global um, uh, dimension of this has, has offered is that we're all in this together. Do you know what I mean? Everybody's affected in, in similar ways. I think, you know, there's, there's, there's winners and there, there's losers. But one of the things that I think it has given permission to leaders to do is to kind of let go of the ego and to, to, to be able to show up on their vulnerabilities um, and, and talk about, you know, if they're, you know, how tough they're finding it. But, um, and I also think, you know, if we talk about the other end of the spectrum, that certainly what, what um, some of the leaders that I work with have said is, um, and, and Adam said, an interesting thing, you know, nobody's enjoying COVID. Um, and actually, I've had some feedback from some leaders that, you know, I, re I really am enjoying it, if, if, if I can use that language, because it's given me time to reconnect with my family. It's given me time to reconnect with myself. I'm not, even though I can be globally connected, um, you know, with, with colleagues over the world, it doesn't mean I have to jump on a plane and spend you know, time away from my family. Um, you know, and I think people have reconnected into that sense of, of time and reflection that, they, that probably has been missing. Um, and I think they're, you know, the fact that they're able to show up in a vulnerable space around, you know, they're, they're finding certain aspects of it difficult, that there's this sense of, well, I'm not going to be judged on that because um, you know, it's 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 such a um, a, a unique situation, and this and everybody around the globe is affected in some way or another, some positive, some negative, but it has touched us all, um, and it gives that sense of community, if you like, in this conscious community um, aspect that hasn't been there before. Where you know, I talked about we've had these you know these sort of um, flashes of um, of, of things happening from a political perspective, but it's always been contained in particular regions in the world. This goes right across the globe. And that's, we've, I don't think, apart from the world wars, we haven't had that uh, level of, um, you know, community threat um, present, you know, well, certainly for the last 50 or 60 years. I agree, Ola. I think there are some really encouraging green shoots of compassion, commonality, community, um, and connection that's coming out. And I'm, I'm reflecting back to your sort of worry at the front being about disappointment. Is this not going to happen? Because there's also some of the tribal point scoring, blaming, naming, you know, pettiness also, more so than I thought there would be. 
around source of virus and who's doing it better than who and who's going to make money out of who and let me take resources from who going on. So it's not all sweetness and light. Um, there is also some of the old patterns of behavior that I had hoped we wouldn't be seeing. Um, but there are lots of bits of behavior that I think are positive. How long that will continue as the economic pressure increases, I don't know. And I'm very aware that I'm sitting in a beautiful part of England with a lovely garden, you know, with food and heating and lighting and my family. And there are lots of people in the world who have nothing, who are locked in a very small space without the resources that I have. And I think we can forget that sometimes in our global community, that there are touched by, but there are also, as you were saying, Adam, devastated by. Um, and that's quite hard to imagine if you're not in that space. Yeah. And I want to speak to that for a minute, KP, because you brought up something there that feels important to mention, which is the fact that, okay, we're going through the pandemic right now. We're, we're actually living into it. But this pandemic arose at a time when, you know, we were already leading through uncertainty. We were already like we had a, a shared and a collective story that was emerging globally about what the world needed and how unsustainable business and our economies are. And yet this has come up now and really, in a way, it feels like to me a bit like an unbelievable amplification of some of the challenges that were there before and are now like almost been laid bare for us all to see. And I just want a sense of like, do you and your leaders that you know, is there any acknowledgement of that or are we still just in survival trying to get through, <laughs> right? Or is there an opportunity here for us to really look at the systems that are not working, the places in our economies, in our cultures where people are falling through the cracks? I mean, is that some people are saying this might be the age of Aquarius, this might be the big turning point. Is that what it is or is it going to be? Like, well, maybe when can we get back to normal? When can we get back to work? When can we get back to seeing everybody? And we can just get on with business as normal. Jane, I'm seeing pockets of that, but I'm not seeing the majority of the leaders uh, shouting that message. I'm seeing pockets. I can think about uh, a deputy uh, city manager from a municipality here in Colorado who very openly and uh, importantly acknowledges the impact with the social economic divide that's happening mm. and also sees that the way that we're working virtually might accelerate how we need to work in the future like maybe we don't need to remodel that building or build more capacity or space for our people maybe this virtual working thing can actually work for a large portion of our employee population so I'm, I'm hearing some of that, but it's not overwhelming. My, many of the folk leaders that I'm talking to on a regular basis are there. There are pockets of them working together locally. 37 leaders in the Denver area, technology leaders who got together and said, this is what we are going to do to close our offices and, and flatten the curve. So I've seen that. But I, I haven't seen it at a more global basis than, you know, in sort of a local community. I've seen it in, um, obviously, I've got a lot of clients who are London based and whether they are looking at their offices, looking at their, you know, some of them had done a mixture of homeworking or not. Some had never done it um, and they are shifting massively. So the flexibility about how and where people work um, is, is now, I mean, that genie is out of the bottle, that's never going back. And that has impacts on transport and commuting. I mean, London is a commuting space. Everyone commutes in from outside and that has massive impacts. I have companies who are property companies who realize that they're going to have to rethink their business model because they will not be selling the retail space or leasing the retail space 
that they have been, they will not be looking at office space or residential space in town the way they would be. A lot of the businesses are already really working on their business model. And there's been a lot of work you know, across London for the whole Transport for London around pedestrianising places like Oxford Street, like Regent Street. Those conversations are going really fast right now because the sacred cows of three months ago are no longer there. So I'm seeing really positive shifts environmentally in society. How that will pan out, no idea, but I definitely think in certain spaces, in certain cities, that conversation is having already the case. And on the other end of society, for I have a, a client who is a chair of a housing charity, and you know, they have taken a lot of homeless people off the street. They're not safe. They've put them into hotels that are not currently open. There has been an enormous amount that's been done short term. And those questions and discussions about how can we stop what was happening happening and address this in a different way you know the rules have changed and i don't think they've been rewritten yet but they're being explored in a really constructive way and that's very positive um so that's on a small i feel that's a very uk london conversation but i think that is happening wider as well mm. And I think it's interesting for us to see the different perspectives because different countries are responding in different ways politically and socially. And so, you know, to really hear what's going on and the ways different people and different places are responding, I think is really valuable. I do. So let me ask you, because Adam, you mentioned it before about, you know, kind of the role that we play as leaders in this time. And I, and I just wondered what your sense is of that. Because each of us here, you know, we, we're, we're leaders in our own right, but we also work with leaders. We, we're, some of us are professional change makers. You know, we are the coaches, consultants, speakers, authors, the guides, if you like, in this time. And, and I, I do believe a lot of leadership is looking to us at this time. So what is our role in all of this? Jane, that's a great question. And uh, it's a topic that should be top of mind for everyone. I try to make it as simple as possible for anyone tuning in and anyone in any kind of leadership role. I think leaders need to have three things on their mind in times like these, in times of crisis. Number one is, Leaders need to be as honest as possible. Leaders need their words to mean something. When you're leading a team, when you're leading an organization, when you're leading other people, you need the people around you to believe you. You need the people around you to trust you. And that is only gonna happen when you're honest, when you're truthful, when you're ethical. So it's extremely important for leaders in all times, to have their words mean something, um, especially in times of crisis. Number two is the power of communication. In times like these, we're really seeing just how important it is to be as communicative as possible. Yes, we can't meet face to face. Yes, we can't be within six feet of each other, but there's so many other tools that we could leverage and leaders need to leverage them. Leaders need to leverage all of them. Pick up your phone, send a text message, jump on Zoom, jump on Skype, go on Slack, do all of those. Communicate, 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 and over-communicate. When you look at leaders who have succeeded in times of crisis, they're not necessarily leaders whose companies have had the best performance, but they're leaders who haven't shied away. Uh, we're working from home, so it's very easy to just stay in bed all day and hide underneath the covers. We can't do that. We need to get up and we need to get out and get in front. And number three is to be flexible, to be adaptable, to be nimble. If there's one certainty, it's the certainty of change. And all leaders need to be open to change. All leaders need to be aware of the inevitability of change. And leaders need to tool their organizations 
to be able to adapt to change. So today, as much as ever, leaders need to drill that mindset into every person in their organization, into every fabric of their organization. And Jane, there's so much more that we could talk about on this topic, but those are three big things that anyone in any position of leadership should be thinking about at all times. Thank you. What else, guys? <laughs> For me, I, I, it's really around, you know, creating a narrative around this and, and creating meaning around it. So, you know, what does it mean for humankind? How, how can we make sense of it? So I think, you know, our role as, um, as change leaders is to support leaders to make around sense making of this. What does it actually mean? What does it mean for their leadership? What does it mean for their teams? What does it mean for humankind? How can we, um, you know, how, how do we take note of those parts of us? And I, I, you know, I talked about vulnerability and how can, you know, me as a leader expressing my vulnerability speak to people in making meaning of what, what's, what's happening. And, you know, I, you started the conversation, Jane, by, you know, talking about that CEO that you're working with who was really in shock and, you know, was entering a grief cycle. And I think that's one of the things that's going to, you know, that we're going to have to deal with um, when we come out of this is, is the, is the grief cycle kicking in? We haven't had a set, we haven't had an opportunity to mourn properly in, in, in lots of different uh, regions. And I think that's going to kick in. I think that the, the grieving process as a society is going to kick in and we need to be ready to, to acknowledge that and to deal with that. But that sense, that sense making for leaders. Um, if you talk about that, that CEO, that, you know, you, you're actually in shock. You're you're entering into a grief cycle, and that's that's what you're feeling, and that's what you're experiencing, and that's normal. So, but how do you actually uh, manage this and navigate it yourself, and and support your team and your family in navigating it with you, um, and not, you know, go back to putting your Superman or your Superwoman cape on, and pushing things down and going, it's, it's fine. We're just going to go back to the way things where it's, where we're, we're not going to actually understand what has happened to us as leaders, as human beings, and as, you know, the, the, the sense of humankind, if you like. Thank you. For me, all of this speaks to the humanity of how leaders need to show up. Adam, you mentioned the, the honesty, the communication, the flexibility, Orla, the, the um, giving meaning to this. There's a couple other words I would add that I think do speak to the humanity, which is number one, we have to add clarity as leaders. And in some cases it's short-term clarity because our business plans have temporarily or been permanently disrupted. So what's the short-term rallying cry? And for many companies, it's around emerging out of this stronger, finding ways to be innovative, finding ways to nurture our customers right now, finding ways to come together cohesively internally as a team. Uh, so that's one component. I think there's an element here of safety as well, both physical safety and psychological safety. So for many of our clients and organizations that have people that are required to be on site? How do we think about safety in a whole new way? And how do we create psychological safety in this virtual environment? We should always be creating that in any environment that we're, that we're leading as, as, as a leader. So creating that safety, adding that clarity, to me adds to the humanity of how we need to show up as leaders. Mm. Thank you, Sam. And I agree with all that. And I want us globally to challenge, to be brave, to say no, to not accept bad behavior, to say, actually, we have wisdom and understanding, and this is a beautiful opportunity 
to change things and move things forward for the better. And I'm back to your point, Oil, because I'm with you. My biggest fear out of all this is that we don't make the opportunity. If your house gets burnt down, you could rebuild it as it was, or you could rebuild a similar version, or you could completely rethink. And I would love us as a global leadership community to say, no, we're going to do it completely differently. We have the opportunity. We have the skills, the capability, the creativity. We have to have the will to do it differently. If you have Formula One McLaren coming up with respirators in a week by sheer force of creativity and collaboration, what could we do if we unleashed our power to do things differently? So the other side of leadership is about being brave and courageous and daring and big. And I would love us to encourage and support that as well as safe and nurturing and nice. Thank you, KP. Wow, that's a lot to be taking on <laughs> as leaders. And uh, you know, what I heard in what you, you all have brought up, really different aspects of leadership for me. I heard some of the internal sense of who we're being and who we're becoming through this time, which I think is very important. And I also heard that the like the doing, the stuff of leadership, the, the, just the stuff that needs to get done on a daily basis to keep our stakeholders happy, you know, and it feels to me like this, you know, we've got the profit on one side, we've got to take care of that, we're in a capitalist economy still. And yet over here, we've got this, this more of a purpose, more of an intentional, dare I even say a more conscious way of reflecting during this time and really thinking at a deeper level about the humanity. Thank you, Sal, for bringing that in, bringing that humanity and what you're speaking to there. KP, which if I out my own bias in this is also something that I long for, as Charles Eisenstein says, the world we all long for and we know is possible, right? And maybe this is a time for that. And maybe it's not. I mean, I think like all of you, we're seeing, and probably to the listeners that are listening, there's a whole range of experience that's going on now. So I want to speak to the identity level as a leader, because for me, this is where everything begins. And I'm hearing it in what you're all speaking to in some ways. And for me, it's a little bit around like, who, who do we want to be? I think, you know, Margaret, Margaret Wheatley talks about who do we want to become as leaders? Who will we be post COVID? And for me, that's the beginning. It's almost like the threshold, the beginning of all change. So I wondered if a few of you could speak to that in some way, because without the being changing, I'm not so sure that what we value and what we do will shift. And please feel free to challenge me. <laughs> I think this is a good time to ask yourself, how do I want to change? And it doesn't necessarily need to be a drastic change. I think that a lot of people are viewing this window as this existential moment. Should I change everything about myself? Should I completely reinvent my life? You don't need to do that. What about thinking about subtle changes that you could make? Small changes to your fitness routine, small changes to your diet, small changes to your media consumption. I could tell you, for me personally, I, going into the pandemic, was a huge consumer of cable news. I won't tell you which side I'm on, but probably doesn't take that much work to guess. But I watched a lot of cable news every night, just as background noise. That's off now. There's no reason to have it on. And my mental sanity is much better for it. Let's think about small changes that we can implement because a lot of small changes add up to a big change in productivity. And it's a lot easier for us to think in those terms. And there's no better time to do it than right now. 
And Adam, I'd like to ask you, because I do hear it as you speak, like, do you think that leadership has a responsibility to what the world needs now? Because when I hear you speak, I do hear you speak to the individual conversation a lot and not necessarily to potentially what maybe the responsibility is that leaders have for, if I'm going to say it, changing the world and changing the systems, changing the economies. And I just wonder where you sit with that because I don't hear you speak to it. Take a step back. The entire fabric of my work, the entire fabric of my focus on leadership, my writing, my speaking, my podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, where I go one-on-one for 30 minutes with the most successful leaders on how they got to the top and on how listeners can get to the top as well, is all predicated on the premise that the reason why leadership is so important, and Jane, I appreciate you asking this because I don't think that it can be emphasized enough. The reason why leadership is so important is because at the end of the day, if you can make a leader better, if you can help a leader become more effective, better at leading people, yes, you're helping them in their own personal journey. That's great. But what you're really doing is you're positively impacting the lives of every single person in their orbit. Every single person who is impacted by that leader, every person who works for the leader, every, if you think about a business leader, not only that leader's employees, but think about that leader's customers, the investors, every stakeholder in that organization. So Jane, I am a huge believer in the power of leadership, not because I specifically want the individual leader to be happier. Yes, I do. But I want everyone to be happier. I want everyone to be more productive. I want everyone to live a better life. And it starts with leaders being better at what they do. That is the central fabric of what this is all about, in my view. Thank you, Adam. And thank you for speaking to that, because that's definitely what we stand for at Sacred Changemakers, is about creating business as a force for good in the world. So I love that. Thank you for that. So let me ask each of you, um, I want to know what you think about the future. And I know all of you opened us with this flip-flopping between, you know, what you long for in the world and, you know, maybe you're kind of feeling a little fearful that it might not happen. But like, what is your view of the future? Because I know a lot of leaders are looking in that direction and kind of trying to get some clarity about what the world is going to be like that we're going to emerge into. And I just would love the listeners to hear what each of you feel about your own kind of ideas about the future. If I could, uh, and that's a really interesting point, Jane, this, as you said, this flip-flopping back between my, my hope and my aspirations and my desperation that things are, are, are not going to change. And, you know, one of the things that, that's been a feature of this whole um, COVID-19 is the view that we have of our caregivers. Um, and one of the things that I, you know, one of the, if we talk about metrics, and I don't like to, to, to talk about metrics in, in, in this context, but from a systemic perspective, you know, in, uh, I think it's going to be 20 minutes time at eight o'clock GMT, you know, there's going to be millions of people out on the streets um, clapping the, the, the NHS or the health service in the UK. And we do something similar in Ireland. Um, and that's amazing thing to hear and to be part of and to experience. But the key metric for me will be what happens from a systemic perspective? How, how are we going to value those caregivers post this crisis? Are we going to revert back to where we value and, and you know, hold in high esteem, you know, those um, people who make lots and lots of money and you talked about, you know, that, that I space? Um, or are we going to be open to shifting the system so that caregivers you know, doctors, nurses, care assistants and essential workers are valued in a much more um, fundamental way. Um, 
So I think from what I really would like, and, and you know, KP talked about that courage and the, that bravery that's needed from a leadership perspective to be able to stand up for that systemic change that's needed where we need to recalibrate society around the, the, you know, the, the people that we didn't pay attention to and we took for granted and we didn't necessarily value in any meaningful way they are the ones that keep society to, together when the chips are down. Um, so therefore, we need to pay attention to them. We need to respect them. We need to value them. And we need to get, go, get, you know, get much more practical in how we value them. You know, clapping and applauding and all of that is fantastic. And it makes us feel good. But it doesn't necessarily do anything for them on a practical day-to-day -day basis. So I think that courage and bravery around standing up for that and saying, you know, no, no longer are we going to tolerate that as a society. That would be a big shift for me. And I could be very naive about this, but that, that would be one of my, our identity as a society and what we value and respect. I'd love to see that shift. Thank you. I completely agree with you, Ola. I think who and what we value, I, I, am, I believe, has changed and will change permanently. Be it caregivers, social care people, health, whatever. I think that will change. Um, and I think it's up to us to make sure it changes. And the value we're appreciating our families, our homes, nature, fresh air, not about stuff. It's about the deeper work, I think. I genuinely believe we will retain as we move forward. And there, should, there needs to be a shift from surface noise, celebrity rubbish to what's really important in values in society. And I think that's our role as leaders. How do we create businesses and environments and society and economies that are rebalanced in a much healthier in its fullest sense way i really think that will happen and i think it's up to us to make it happen and not let it slip back thank you my view of the future jane is optimistic even in the midst of this Yay. <laughs> uh, and maybe that's just my my bias and how i see things most of the time but I, I'm amazed by the innovation that we're seeing from the small business retailer that has figured out how to, um, I ordered some Mother's Day gifts yesterday and the first initial reaction was, I'm just going to go on Amazon, it'll be super easy. Then I thought, no, I'm going to support my local community. But how responsive this small retail store is to, and to enable me to pick something up in the front of the store at a time that's convenient for me to healthcare organizations that may have a vaccine in what in previous pandemics or outbreaks may have taken years or decades. So I'm optimistic by what humans can do when they're driven by a common cause. Thank you. I think like everyone, I have mixed emotions, hard not to be concerned about the health and well-being of society, the health and well-being of those around us, the physical health and the economic health. As a human being, you can't help but be deeply troubled. And um, it's hard to separate that from the way you go about living your life. But with that said, my main message really is focus on what you can control focus on being as productive as possible. At the end of the day, there is only so much we can do. Do it. Follow the best practices when it comes to COVID-19 and follow the best practices when it comes to living your life. Be your best self. No better time to start than right now. Thank you, Adam. Oh, guys, this has been such a great conversation. Let me just ask you for one final question. And it's really around, do you have any, is there, if there's anything you'd hoped we'd get to in this conversation that we haven't, any words of wisdom you have for our listeners that are 
undoubtedly leaders in this time. I mean, what might it be that you'd want to leave them with? And I'm going to ask you first, Sal. Two things I would say. One, be in service of others. I think if we do that individually and collectively, we can have a bigger impact on our global society. And two, be grateful for all of what we have and the people who are around us. Thank you. KP? What comes to mind? I don't know, right? I don't know where it comes from. You know me, Jane. Um, I have an image of, um, of this, a huge oak tree. And for me, it's about stay grounded. Roots go deep. The roots of an oak tree are bigger than the tree on top. So there's something about we can stay grounded and deep and wise and connected as well as reaching for the stars by being strong and flexible and beautiful. So for me, I want it all for us all. And I think it's possible. Thank you. Adam, how about you? I think it's really important to take a step back and ask yourself, where do I wanna be whenever this period ends? Because this period is going to end. Hopefully it will end sooner than later. And have an end game in mind and understand what you need to do to get there. You can spend your time sulking. You can spend your time worrying. There is a lot to worry about. I'm not here to sugarcoat it. But that isn't going to serve you any good. Instead, set goals, focus on achieving those goals, stay positive, stay productive. There is so much opportunity right now. And focus on how you can take advantage of that opportunity in front of you to do whatever it is that you want to do with your life. Do it right now. Thank you. And Orla, we come full circle back to you, my friend. <laughs> yes. Um, I think for me, you know, I, I'm struck by the sense of um, what we can do and how we can make meaning of this individually, this whole um, situation. So I think there's a lot of, I know we've talked about the we, and as you know, I'm a, a, a huge proponent of the we and that collaborative intelligence. And I think that's super important to understand as you've spoken about, you know, you've got these amazing teams that are able to collaborate with competitors that they never would have thought about before this. And I think that's a, that's a, that has been a huge eye opener for, for industry um, that you can have this collaborative intelligence and you can be profitable. Um, and I'm hoping that continues, but I think coming back to the I is, is very much around, you know, what's my practice? How do I keep myself grounded? How do I, um, you know, practice gratitude? How do I practice belief in abundance rather than, you know, concentrating on scarcity and fear and anxiety? Um, and I, I very much like what, you know, Sal was talking about there of this being in service. How can I be in service to me? internally and making many of it but then how can I be in service to my community and my family and, and my colleagues and friends fabulous okay well I just want to thank each of you it has been such a rich conversation today thank you I think we've given our audience multiple perspectives to think about from their individual leadership their identity to real tangible things that they can do so thank you to each of you Thank okay, you, thank pleasure. you. <laughs> thank you. And so this episode of Sacred Changemakers was brought to you today by our sacred community for individuals who want to make the world a better place. You, dear listener, were born for these times because we can all be changemakers, whether we're a leader or not. The truth is the world needs you, but perhaps you don't know how to make a meaningful difference or what it is that you can do to help. So if life is feeling a little chaotic and you're looking for sanctuary, if you're interested in connecting with some lovely people and some real thought leaders, if you have a sense that there is something more to life, but you're not sure what it is, 
perhaps a deeper purpose or calling, then we invite you to explore this and so much more in community with us. Expand your awareness, clarify your purpose and learn how to make a meaningful impact in your life and the lives of others. The members are actually our sponsors who help us to produce this podcast for you. So if our episode resonated with you today, we hope you'll consider joining us at sacredchangemakers.com. And for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your efforts and intention to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.